Welcome, Stewie, to uh, the Better Blokes Project podcast. Um, we'll kick off with your one percenter and, and what you think uh, everyone can do to make themselves a little bit better every day and what you do. Well, not real sure what I do every day. I do have a, a regime that I stick to pretty strictly every day. Um, it's a 4.30 get up every morning. That's during the week. Um, head to the gym, back home by 6, and that's when your day starts. So it's, it just gives me clarity, I suppose, for the start of my day. Um, I love the regiment of it. I love the the atmosphere at the gym. It's a it's a mixed gym. Uh, the people that run it are amazing. Um, you can reach out to them if you if you need a bit of help in any area or or whatever it be. But personally, I just go to because it's the one place that doesn't talk farm. Um, we we farm, so everyone that turns up or anything that we go to do every day revolves around farming, and it it gets a bit thick after a while. So. Personally, for myself, the gym is my little uh, get out, I suppose, for that half an hour, three quarters of an hour every morning where I can come home with clearer clarity. It starts my day better. Um, probably just starts Chelsea's day better. Um, <laughs> she gets a cup of tea in bed every morning. Um, so, yeah, that's just what I do personally. Um, no, it's a really good point to move on from. And um, having the just, is it the physical exercise or is it the just an activity in the morning to start your day? If you haven't got the gym, have you got? Oh, there's a, probably a couple of things with it. I've always been involved in sport all my life. Um, there comes a point when you get a little bit too old to contribute into a team environment um, and that hurts when you realise that you no longer can do it. So the gym for me was that form of exercise that uh, it, it it's a funny thing. It sends off, I don't know, a feel-good energy um, some think that you're probably proud of yourself for doing every morning. While you're there, you're probably thinking, what am I doing? This is shit. But then that self-pride when you walk out the door knowing full well that you've just, you know, completed exercises that you would not have thought you could do, um, you know, and, and the progression along the journey um, for most people. Like, And, and I'll, prob- I'll probably get more satisfaction out of training alongside of um, someone – who just improves themselves day in, day out. And, you know, today they might have lifted 15 kilos and tomorrow they're going to they're gonna hit 17 or something. And, yes. and you sort of feel a bit of pride because then you're, you're right beside that person day in, day out. But not that we get put into to groups, but you have your training partners, I suppose, along um, the guys or the girls that you tend to uh, lean towards and, and someone that will challenge you personally. So that's how uh, our little gym that we go to is set up, yep, yeah, and yeah. and you get put in your little groups and um, we test each other. And as a male, there's always that competition. Um, it's it's a hidden competition, but it's underneath there. So if if I see someone lift 20, I'm doing 25. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, it's just a little, you know, in your own little head. And, and that's there's a bit of rivalry amongst it. There's a bit of, you know, a bit of banter and, yeah, and it's great, you know. So, you, you know, we have everyone – from every walk of life there, um, which is, yeah, Good. you don't talk farm. It's simple. Yeah. yeah. And on that, so a bit more about yourself and, you know, you mentioned Chels. There'd be some kids yep. there too, I assume. I know there is. And um, <laughs> and the farm. So, yeah, yep. just give us a quick spill about that. Um, from early on. Yeah. So I grew up in Ryanna um, for the first 12 years of my life. Um, attended um, school on the other side of the dial. Um, used to hate this side. It was just <laughs> so much rivalry um, to this side of the dial. And then I suppose when I was 12, we moved to Penguin. 
and where I attended Penguin High. And then pretty much straight into the workforce, so uh, diesel mechanic by trade. And didn't overly enjoy that side of it, but now I'm so grateful that I've done it um, with what we do now on farm and at home. Um, then I suppose as the journey goes, my heart just lied in farming. I was from farming families, um, grandparents, parents, um, and it's just in you. Um, and then I got an opportunity um, after I finished my mechanicing, I went and worked for Taz TAFE for a couple of years until they shut that down. Um, as a commercial farm and then moved on to currently where I'm at right now and, and leasing um, pretty productive property off um, Jim Allen and his family. Tell us a little bit about farming, mate. Like you hear a lot about how hard it is for um, people to get into. How did you find How did you find that challenge? Yeah, it is tough um, It's and it's only getting harder. Um, the price of land to start with is is pretty much out of the – the reaches of, of anyone now, like so, you see a lot of, um, I suppose, uh, what do you call uh, superannuation companies and that forming and, and buying up properties mm. for astronomical prices. It's launched that hard that your returns are just not going to cover your interest rates, let alone any capital on the farm. Um, price of machinery has skyrocketed in the last probably two years. We know that hard. Like we, we've invested heavily into machinery. We run a contracting business along with farming. Um, we, yeah, we do it. We try to change machinery over regularly and keep updated, but that, that comes at a humongous cost and, and probably a bit of pressure as well. Luckily enough, um, I've got a young guy who's worked with us for quite some time. He's amazing. He's, he's the cog in the in the gearbox that just keeps us rolling. And then our son, Jack, has just come on board as an apprentice um, and he he already has served his apprenticeship from probably the age of seven, five to, five <laughs> to seven. Yeah. So Child, now I've got this 17-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got this 17-year-old who um, is just like having a qualified operator that can wheel machinery like no other. Um, and that's taken the pressure completely off me now. Um, which I love because I just want to stay on farm, um, and then yeah, the boys can just go, go out and do the stuff. Yes, just do the work, it, get it done. Yeah, and and they you know they're highly regarded in the community, um, and our clients that we work for they love them. They actually specifically ask for them guys now. So yeah, good. Which is a good feeling. Yeah, definitely. Especially when one of them's yours. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, and, and once again, you know, there's been quite a lot of influences around yep. that, I suppose, like, you know, um, most sons and, and fathers probably don't listen to each other greatly, but um, luckily enough, like Jack and I have a great relationship. We have two totally different personalities but have never had a word with each other, not once. Um, where my other son, like, we've got spitting identities um, <laughs> yeah. and – we clash. He frustrates the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> absolute amazing kid who has just so relaxed and has the greatest outlook on life um, and nothing worries him, which is me. And I think that's why we clash is because he's so relaxed and I'm so relaxed and it's just this. It's yeah. pretty funny. Martin, um, back in season one, spoke about you get most frustrated with those that are so similar to yourself that you see yourself in them um, and – you know, it sort of stands true. Um, my next question for you, mate, like you hear so much about uh, so many 
people that are in farming talk about how hard like farming is. I'm not a farmer. I don't think any of the other gents here are either, but it would be really good to hear from you, mate. Like what's a what's a standard day look like for you? Like I know you said you get up at 4.30 to go to the gym, but what's the rest of your day look like? Yep, well, it can change with a phone call pretty quickly. So, um, you know, and and, it, and even when we're under immense pressure, I suppose, like our, our season starts now. We, we've started drilling as of today. Um, so we've put peas in today. Uh, we, we'll be busy now right through to probably – Oh, end of April into May, maybe middle of May, with potatoes. But that's we're talking probably anywhere from twelve to eighteen hour days consistently, seven days a week. Um, which you know, and that's working. Um, my day can be an eighteen to twenty hour day, some days, and more. I have pulled a few all nighters, but I try not to do it too much. <laughs> like at, at Rexha, it's it's like having the worst hangover ever. Yep. How do you manage? Um, I know we, we've had it a few times on, on the podcast already. Um, a few chaps have spoken a little bit about burnout. How do you, how do you sort of manage that? Don't stop. You only burn out <laughs> when you stop. Um, and it's true. If we, if we have this run of weather where you can just keep working day in, day out, and it's routine, and, and, we, and it is routine through most of the, the growing season um, where, you know, we're irrigating, we're spraying, we're crop management, you know, and then we we do baling, silage and hay and, and that adds, you know, a fair bit of pressure to things because you can have up to 50 to 60 phone calls in a day. Um, yeah, and then if you happen to have a wet day, if, if rain comes and shuts you down for the day, it's the worst thing that can happen like, because you stop and it's so hard to get going again where if you can just keep momentum rolling day in, day out, it's so much easier to manage uh, because then you've got to try and play catch up and quite often it's, yeah, that's when it will burn you out is when you're trying to play catch up because um, the days are extended because you've got four or five clients that you're still going to try and pick up in that same window that you've just missed that wet day for. It's pretty scary to think how many hours you really do on the farm, isn't it? Like I'll say I have a big week and I've done 50 hours at the shop and you're – 50 hours, you've racked that up Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and that's – and, look, I don't keep a track of my hours, but um, the young guy that works with us, um, I know there for seven weeks straight, he worked something like 97 hours weekly for Oosh. seven weeks straight. And and I know if he was doing 97, I was doing 107. Like, And we try – look, you know, it's just the way it is. I, I didn't – you know, we don't, we don't publicise the fact that we're working that many hours. Like, we, we'd probably get shut down. Um, but, you know – if, if something happened, we'd definitely get shut down. Um, we, we, with the change to everything now, rules and regulations, and having Jack on board now takes that pressure away from both of us. Um, you've got that extra body that can just wheel, you know, in beside you and, you know, what we can get done now is phenomenal in a day. How do you go in those times when you are doing those big hours if you can't get to the gym? I know, I still go. You just go. I just go. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, uh, Chelsea broke a. I snapped her Achilles a couple of years ago, and that was a fairly late night in at the hospital, and and we never got home until something like three o'clock in the morning. But I still, I still managed to go at half past four. It was just, it's one of those things. Like you, you, you still wake up, regardless of what time I go to bed. I still wake up at half past four, yeah. and I don't know why. It, it's just an inbuilt alarm clock. It just, you know. And it's n- it's not a struggle. I don't I don't lay in bed. I've never laid in bed. As soon as I wake, I'm I'm up. 
and I've done that ever since I can remember. Yeah. Um, you said about um, like the club sort of uh, being around one and how that can sort of help too. I mean, you're what, 45 now, I reckon, by the look of you, maybe 43. Six. But, <laughs> 46. <laughs> but um, like you're not going to be able to go to the gym forever. Well, you probably could, I suppose, but is there something else that you think you can sort of still get that escape from? And Oh, football. I'm still yeah. involved with football. Um, and footy's been a massive part of my life. I've played since I I can remember. Um, I've loved, probably looking back on it, I never used to love training. Well, I thought I didn't. And then all of a sudden you get to a certain age and kids come along and it was a little outing. Um, you know, regardless of what your day had been, you get to training and you're with 30, 40 blokes that are all your mates and you're not thinking about one thing that happened through the day or what has happened at home or and you know, and that comes with a bit of a bit of grief at times too, because you've worked all day, mum's home with the kids, and then you're running in the door and back out the door with your footy bag, and that becomes a bit of a sort of, you know a sour topic, I suppose. And looking back on, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea was on our own for quite some time of the, the earlier years of the boys, like, and you try to contribute, but and then. You know, and it seems selfish. It's it's bloody selfish looking back on it. Like I, I had football uh, two nights a week, played on a Saturday and generally trained on a Saturday morning uh, – Sunday morning, sorry. So, you know, looking back at it, Chelsea was on her own with, you know, these two little humans that were causing grief to her and, and her outside world. Um, you know, and luckily enough, her family, uh, are, you know, they're very close – um, and they, they all chip in and, and do whatnot. But, you know, Chelsea end up involving herself with the football and the boys end up growing up in that environment and they're both playing now. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's been because they've been brought up in that environment or whether they love it or um, Jack did say to me once, I don't even like fucking football. I, <laughs> I, I just happen to be good at it, you know. And that, and that was when he was 12 and, and um, you know, like things have probably changed a bit now, they're, yeah. Yeah, you said in there about uh, feeling guilty in that times of um, when you're sort of putting yourself forward over the family. I think a lot of blokes out there would get that feeling. I know at the moment I've just started a new job and I'm working away, so I've got the ability to now, you know, go to the gym and shoot hoops with the boys and play. And, and I've been – I went to the gym twice. It's a pretty good effort. <laughs> proud proud that of that. In, yeah. That was in the morning. Yeah, it doesn't show you. That, I thought, I thought <laughs> you keep up the good work. That was six. It's pretty good. Um, but like that's made a massive difference for me just on those days that I have gone. Like you can stay focused and stuff better during the day. And it's something that, you know, we've got two little humans, four and two, nearly five and three, I suppose. But um, those years, I've probably tried to spend with them for those, that early days. Whereas, and then now I've got that opportunity to go and put that forward. So it's, it's, it's interesting that you seen that as being um, you feel guilty as well because that is definitely a feel that I think a lot of people would have. Yeah, and as a bloke, like you, it's hard to you know you walk in the door and and the the kids are probably screaming and mum's screaming at you as well. Sort of where have you been and where are you going and you're never home and um, all you do is work and football and and I suppose you know and and, and it was right like it and it hurts to hear it. But then for your own sanity sometimes um, to be a better person when you do get home because you could have had the weight of the world on your shoulders but you was never going to share it mm. um, because as a male we were probably, you know, especially my generation, you was, you know, boys don't cry, boys don't share their emotions, boys don't 
you know, it was just the way we were brought up. Um, you know, you, you don't tell anyone you love them. Like it's just, you know, yeah, you, you know, but you don't say it. So I suppose just getting away for that bit of clarity with your, your mates playing football in a team environment, you might have had a bit of a bitch and moan to one of your better mates and said, oh, God, she was, you know, she was in a shit mood tonight when I got home. She was barking at me. But, you know, when you got home after that, you were probably a better person yourself, um, whereas if you'd stayed and fired a few bullets back that in direction, it starts a shitstorm that you can't stop sometimes. Probably sleep on the couch, you know. Yeah, well, that's the other <laughs> side. Yeah, I actually can say I've never slept on the couch. Um, you know, and there's been some moments like, you know, that naturally I, I believe that every couple probably goes through it because all of a sudden, you know, you're a couple and, and you're probably dating and then you marry and there's still only the two of you. And then you have kids and that's when the pressure comes on oh, right? Yeah. because all of a sudden you're not number one anymore. So you You've become it. Yeah, you know, and the dog's in front of you. Like yep. even, you know, you just feel like that the dog gets more pats and, and cuddles than what you do yep. and, you know, but it's it's a journey and it's a ride and, you know, quite often I sort of believe, you know, you, you marry for, you know, forever do us part or whatever the, the words are. Um, <laughs> but on the other side of that too though, like I've always had that, you know, Chelsea's always known that if at any time it's got too thick for her, just let me know and if you don't want to be here, look, I'll, you know, I'm not forcing you to stay, and and I'll, and I won't be rough. Like like yeah. as in, I won't, I won't cause grief because I can understand. You know, she's followed me in my passion of farming, and she had a life. Be, you know, she was luckily enough. She was a farm girl, um, and but she's come on the same journey on my journey. I suppose is what it's at. And, and to be fair, like there's got to be a bit of give from me as well on that respect. Yeah, yeah, I think. You're right in you come home from whatever you do throughout the day and if you don't take that time and invest that in yourself, they don't get the best part of the the best version of you when you get home. It's exactly that snippy firing bullets and grenades from the trenches sort of thing, isn't it? Yep. The best thing we probably done was move to the farm for probably for our whole family. Like, you know, at the time it probably wasn't, you know, looking at it, you think, oh, you know, you're never going to be inside. You're, all, but the boys spent so much time outside. Just, you know, not not that they were helping me because they're probably too young to help, but they were with you, which gave Jules her little bit of space that she needed. Um, you know, to to go and spend a bit of time with her sisters. She's got two sisters live in town here, and her mum and dad live in town, and her grandma lives in town. And and a funny story, like she, I come home one day and she was firing bullets at me and. <laughs> Anyway, she'd got a bit thick. Anyway, she jumped in the car and took off and uh, went down and visited her grandma and grandma growled her and told her to go home. <laughs> so <laughs> was, straight. Yeah, set her straight and just said, look, Chelsea, you're being a bit over. But, you know, but to, to Chelsea's defence, like, you know, I was never home, yeah. you know, and, and she never had that time that I suppose I had because I she followed me to football with the boys, you know, and it was I'd stay and have a beer, you know, and, and Chelsea did too, but. She always had to be home by half past seven because that was bedtime. Like, whereas, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I suppose looking back at it, I, I could have done things a whole lot better, but no one gave me a handbook on how to be a dad, you know. There was no – I've read a couple on this shit. Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. But, you know, that's that. It's not you though, is it? That handbook was written for that person in particular that wrote it, I suppose, and them 100%. kids. And, and I've always said that. No one will actually give you a book on how to raise your kids. You raise them how you think, yep. you know. You can do the best for them. Hundred yeah. percent. 
We, we've spoken a little bit about it before in the past around um, like footy clubs and just clubs in general. How do you find the club culture has changed as the years have gone on? Oh, look, from when I first started football, um, which was back in early 90s, I suppose, that's senior football. Um, yeah, look, it was it was rough and tough. Like as in not the, so much the footy culture at the club or anything, but the football itself was a whole different ball game. Um, we were training four nights a week and, you know, as a young fella, you've got nothing else to do, so you might as well train. Um, and, and, you know, the guys seem bigger. Like I don't – we often comment now there's no big men really left in football. Like every team had two or three massive men um, and they were giants. Uh, there doesn't seem to be that um, bloke out on the ground anymore. There might be one or two but – Jack's tracking that way though, isn't he? He was oh, that big guy uh, through school. He was the big guy going through school. <laughs> I, but the, I, the I wouldn't like to meet him in a dark alley, I tell you. <laughs> he stopped growing though, so it's a bit of a sore point. I hope he doesn't listen to this because um, <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to grow either. He um, he sort of was that, you know, taller, um, well-built kid through through school and then, yeah, things sort of slowed down for him. But <laughs> it didn't stop his heart. His heart is as big as Farlap and, and for what he lacks in height, I suppose, he, he definitely um, – Proves that in in other areas of his game, where William probably got my height, and and um, you know he's he's not as thick set, but he's a he's a good lump of a kid. Yeah, I reckon we've touched on some absolute wicked um, points there, and there'll be plenty to get out of it. Um, I don't know if you've got any more you want to keep spilling. You'd- oh look, no, look, it's it's just you know for anyone, there's there's answers out there. You know, I've done a little bit of coaching. I coached under sixteen boys for a couple of years, and and then took them through to under eighteen and. And as every coach does, you have a few dramas with a couple of them. They're probably going down the wrong path. And um, I got a guy called Will Smith to come and have a talk to him. And and it was for the whole club. Like, and Will turned up and, and he was just amazing. Like, you you could have – well, no one breathed while he was even talking. He was th- that good. And I think it really touched a few few points. And, and he, one of his points were, you know, you've got – on one hand, you've got five fingers and, and that's about all the mates that you're going to have in your life. Like, And he, he meant really good mates. And and I think every bloke has probably got one or two who he knows that he can call on and, you know, not not that they're going to sit down and talk it out, you know, in a, in a manner that um, it's probably just in blokey style um, where, you know, I have a bitch to him and he has a bitch to me and we walk out the door and tell him to grow up or whatever it be and, but deep down you know yourself that he's probably actually giving you the answer you was looking for in, in that bit of bit of rubbing that he's done on you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, mate. It's been a really good chat. Um, you know, as Reese said, there's been a lot of good that's come out of that. Um, and as with every one of these episodes, we want people to sort of come away thinking that, look, it's a it's like a buffet of sort of information, like take what you want and just leave what you don't. Um, that's what we say with this whole thing. If there's been anything um, for anyone that they've found triggering or anything like that, feel free to contact Lifeline 13 11 14 um, or reach out to a mate. It's always great to have a yarn to to one of your mates, as sort of Stewie mentioned, one of those like um, top five that you know that will just always be there to listen. Um, other than that, uh, if you've liked what you've sort of heard on, on today's podcast, um, please feel free to Give us a like, um, subscribe to the YouTube channel um, and follow us on um, all the social media platforms. But other than that, thanks very much, Joey. It's been a pleasure. Um, thanks, gents, and cheers. Cheers, Joey. Thanks, Joey.